0: I'm Lloyd Hughes. And I'm David Farrell. Welcome to our podcast, Pod Me If You Can. It's a conversation between two friends about films we have seen and want to discuss. Now, we should mention that we are analysing these films retrospectively, so we'll get into spoilers straight away. It would be best if you see the film and then listen to the rest of this podcast. Today's film is Drive. It's starring Ryan Gosling, Carey Mulligan, Albert Brooks and Brian Cranston. It's about a Hollywood stunt performer who moonlights as a wheelman. discovers that a contract has been put on him after a heist has gone wrong. It's directed by Danish director Nicholas Winding Refn. Drive is pre- premiered at the competition at the 2011 Cannes Film Festival, where it won him the Best Director award. Budget sixteen million dollars. Currently, has
1: gross more than double that. Dave, uh, what did you think? I found this was a really hypnotic film. First of all, um, I really, really enjoyed it but i think i enjoyed it more as it went along it sort of just roped me in and um basically i was just kind of pulled into this world of this stunt car driver and uh, i found sort of as i've finished watching the film it's more and more interesting to me mm. everything i think about i'm, I'm like re-analyzing my favorite scenes and stuff and it was definitely really well directed um but also i thought really well acted
0: yeah yeah um I love the 80s component of it that whole beginning I was like wow um it was it just reminded me of an early Michael Michael Mann film sort of like uh when Michael Mann was doing Thief um and he brings that european flavor to the film but set in america it was brilliant this director this uh european director he's got so much talent i think i think he's going to do really well in the hollywood the hollywood room and it was very cool like um walter hill did a film just like that in the 70s called drive so similar title um and it borrows a lot from the title exactly a very the exactly the same drive <laughs> driver um and in the in 1968 pete yates did bullet which arguably is the best car chase sequence ever put to film and i think the director's been uh, said in an interview that he borrowed lots from that film and i saw touches of that element but it's interesting what the Fast and the Furious audience would think going into this film, or what average moviegoers would see—they'd see Drive. They'd see this up-and-coming young star, Ryan Gosling, and they would think, "Wow, a great action film." And I've seen the trailer for this. It just shows the the action sequences, yep. and just so everybody knows, there's very little. Like, uh, or when it does come on, it's you know very quick, and it's not centered around the, this. You know, you think it's going to build up to this big, massive. Uh, driving sequence you know, or chase sequence, sorry, and it doesn't. Um, and so, if I was a Fast and the Furious viewer, I come in expecting to see absolutely beautiful girls, big buff guys, su- uh, super duper cars to the point of being superficial. Yeah, I um, would be so disappointed, you know. And um, I guess you'd be thinking it's more an arty film. I'm not sure. I don't think they mention that much on the on the trailers and the. Pr- yeah, the selling of it.
1: Yeah, well I was gonna say for sixteen million dollars, apparently ten million of that was on screen. The rest was advertising and other production wow. costs. So approximately ten million. And so it's basically like an independent film in Hollywood terms. Sure. And you've got Ryan Gosling, clearly everybody's taken a pay cut. You've got everybody, you know, name actors all sort of doing well for themselves. Yeah. I was gonna say that um with a cast like that, everyone must have really loved the director and loved the script. And uh, it's funny you should mention Fast and the Furious because apparently they bought it as more of a franchise film that they were going to turn into, something with sequels and stuff yeah so exactly that kind of film and originally Hugh Jackman was playing the Ryan Gosling role and so you can see that kind of Hollywood right
0: yeah you know he would have been fantastic in it as well I think it
1: would have been a completely
0: different it would have been
1: completely different because uh,
0: Gosling's got that youthful aspect and uh, Jackman's just got such a friendlier face but he could pull it off I think
1: yeah I mean I, I feel like Real Steel could have been easily a franchise if they want to like um based on the fact that Hugh Jackman's carrying it you know but I think Ryan Gosling is all about performance in this.
0: Well, wow, that's interesting. Do you think they're expecting a Transporter 1, 2, and 3 that they're hoping to bake up? <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> I guess it made the money to, wow. to warrant a sequel. And like this one's more than doubled and probably close to tripled now by the time we've recorded this. Mm. It's gross. So I mean, its budget is $16 million, which yeah. they've you know recouped massively. It's like a big win. So. Uh,
0: I want to talk about that opening sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, when you first see drive it's very practical uh most hollywood movies it, it, you know a, a robbery happens the driver drives and it's this huge driving to escape from the cops it is so practical he goes into deep dark corners and waits for the cops and you're there waiting and the tension the music builds that tension yeah it's very tense oh yeah you're waiting and waiting and then finally he drives out and it's all behind the eyes as well which gosling can pull off you know it's an interesting performance it's not an external performance a very internal performance and as uh as that whole sequence is playing out, you know I can picture the fast and furious audience waiting for that wanting that car to just go nuts, you yeah, know? and
1: all the other cars around it just to be flying, yeah just to be and flying and it's yeah. so, it's
0: done so practical, you'd think you know it's grounded in that reality, much like how Michael Mann would approach it, and then the uh cr- the title sequence begins and it's at 80 score and if you notice the font they use the oh yeah it it just it's like, I thought oh this is Miami Vice you Yeah.
1: know <laughs> yeah. i do want to critique that opening scene a little bit yeah um uh, basically i feel like the helicopter wouldn't have lost him so easily you would say he's under the bridge mm. send a cop car under the bridge and when they actually go to the basketball game he drives in he's got the hat He finds a car park straight away. Now, I realize the car game has just (laughs) finished, right? But I don't think you could find a car park right away near the entrance. I know it's a movie, but that part I just found unrealistic. That's that's
0: very true, Uh, especially a L.A. Lakers Lakers, game at Staples Center. (laughs) Yeah,
1: so so both teams L.A. in L.A. and um, yeah unrealistic for me that element
0: um did you find some of the the music the slow motion uh well i won't say slow motion but the pacing of the film is very interesting did did that uh, become overbearing at times for you because uh, like i liked it i love it how this movie is such a slow pace compared to nowadays where it's cut 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 it's it's great to see that you know film like that come out um And especially those elevator sequences where no dialogue is spoken, you're just sitting there with them and, you know, the music's playing and the camera's either slowly dollying in or doing... Did did you like
1: that or did you find it too slow paced or just... Uh, Well, basically I found, like, the slow burn of the film really intriguing. Like, at the beginning I was like, oh, who is this guy? What's going on? Especially at the beginning where they show that shot of him in a cop uniform. And there's that kind of half second where you think, oh, is he a policeman? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, that was done well, yeah. You know, but then you see sort of the set stuff in the background and you kind of put it together. And moments later, obviously, somebody says, like, I think it's Brian Cranston who says, um, you know, they've got a stunt for you. And so immediately you you click that he's wearing the outfit yep. and stuff. But there's that hesitation where you think, oh, so he's a cop. And, he, and then at night he commits crimes, you know, and you get that cool kind of element immediately. Um, stuff like that. Like it's all so interesting, everything they sort of show you. Mm. Uh, apparently it's eighty one page script, wow, okay. first of all, yeah, so they stripped dialogue, so it was so much dialogue that unnecessary must have been stripped out, and so when you have a scene like that elevator scene, I don't know if I just like Ryan Gosling and I like Carey Mulligan um she was in never Let Me Go,
0: and she was also in Wall Street too, yeah, yeah,
1: she was a love interest in Wall Street too, and she was um in an education, which was yeah. quite good as well, and um, I like both of them, and I think they're both really good, and I feel like that elevator scene. Like, the director did it amazingly. It manipulated time, the lighting shifts, you get that slow motion. I wondered almost if it was a dream. Oh, yeah. It definitely had that element. Yeah, because yeah. as he puts his arm down and he kind of, like, pushes her behind, like, it's almost like, oh, and also I would kiss you if I had time and it would be like this. And then he immediately... And, and, and the danger. lighting bends at that scene as well. Yeah. Like, it fades or, you know, desaturates or something. It was great. mm and, um besides the hand holding they'd done, this was the only real affection between the two characters, like he was a complete stranger, but they still had this chemistry, like where they were just sort of she would she was, the looks they were giving each other, the smiles and and like how he would just sort of be Because he knew
0: what he was about to do, this is probably the last time he'll she'll ever talk to
1: me what she's about to see <laughs> yeah, exactly and um i no though i did do think they had chemistry um I think it's really realistic that they didn't wind up together because obviously her husband, bam, dead, you know, in that second heist. And um, he was involved in it, and when he goes over and tries to like tell her, I've got this money, you can have it if you want, we can run away together if you want, you know, all that sort of stuff, immediately I'm thinking, they better not wind up together because it's so unrealistic to me. She was with this, um, her husband till he went to prison, they have a child together. They had this whole backstory. Though we didn't see it, we only saw this new relationship I was thinking it would just spoil the film. Yes. And she slaps him. Yeah. Loved it.
0: And there's that last part where she's knocking at the door where there's... You don't know exactly, like... She obviously wants to see him. Yeah. You don't know exactly what's going on. But she cares for him. And, you know, that's it. That That's as far as it goes. But it just shows you she did have... She did care, at least.
1: Yeah. Are you familiar with Christina Hendricks? No. She was um, the character who... Was standing at the mirror and got shot through the window. All right, yep. Um, she's actually from Mad Men.
0: Oh, the, the TV show. The TV okay, show. Sure, yep. Yeah, well, you haven't seen any no, episodes I seen of any. Mad Men. It's yeah.
1: cool. Um, well, I'm a Mad Men fan, um, and basically, she's a fairly prominent character from it. And everybody's saying she's so beautiful, she's so great, everything like that. And they they had like two or three scenes with her. They had her on the poster, the credits, and everything, and you know, killed her almost instantly. It was almost saying that in this world of Albert Brooks Brian Cranston Ron Perlman uh, Christina Hendricks Ryan Gosling Kerry Mulligan anybody could die at any time Yeah, you know everybody's expendable kind of thing and it was yeah. kind of an amazing turn yeah it's great it made me wonder what she saw in the film like for her character to get killed like she must have been like won over and, and she's
0: tre- treated so brutal yeah. throughout the whole thing you Ryan know. Gosling
1: slaps her in the yeah. hotel room oh. it's interesting as well because you kind of want to like this character and the
0: language um the way how they speak to her as well just like wow just really brings it down you know all the beauty and everything just
1: grounded through the dirt <laughs> <laughs> mm. um I'm gonna give you a quote Lloyd yep something you might not know uh, Ryan Gosling says that he is ready to quit acting in the near future. Right. So he's on top of the world, isn't he? I mean, right now he's in lots of films, isn't he? He's his star is on the rise. You think he could get Oscar nominated? You know, he's got a big future, doesn't he? Well, the quote is, I've been doing this since I was 12, because as I, I told you, just to deter from the quote for a second, um, he played young Hercules.
0: Right. It's, right. You know, right. So yeah. he's been
1: doing this as, oh, and I mean, he was in the Mickey Mouse Club. Okay. with Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears. Um, he says, I've been doing this since I was 12. I don't want to act much longer. I can't do one thing my whole life. I know there was are there only so many characters I'll be able to play. It'll be over whenever the inspiration dries up.
0: Wow. I, I think... That- hes He must be a very intelligent man. <laughs> um, no, that thats I, I like that. That's gutsy. He wants to branch out and do other things. But that's interesting. He's got the world at his fingertips now. Mm. But from a point of view, I guess, from a person who's been doing it since a young age, I guess... You know, he's a veteran now. He's the equivalent to, I know, a Brad Pitt now.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, he's he's a younger version, isn't he? Yeah. Because somebody's got to fill the shoes. Brad Pitt's over 40s. You know, he's going to retire. In, he's 47. He's going to retire in a few years. He's thinking somebody's got to fill this void. There's lots of male leads. Yeah. You know, you need somebody to cheer for, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's hard to look at it from his point of view. For, so, for someone who's been do- in the industry for that long. Um, I guess he he just want, he's just enough of the Hollywood system, enough of acting. It's such a tedious process, you know. Um, and the fame. How much fame do you want? Do you need? You know, that sort of thing. And branch out and do other things. I think um, prior to Gangs of New York, Daniel Day-Lewis became a shoemaker before oh, right. Martin Scorsese convinced him or begged him to come on board. And I think he's only been in a couple of films since, so he might have gone back. Daniel Day-Lewis. Looking, yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis to do back. Exciting Girls.
1: well <laughs> he's got Oscars now. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, you kind of peaked almost. You've, you know, like, uh, what's his name? Colin Firth said when he won the Oscar for The King's Speech the other year, he said, I feel my career peaking. That's the first thing he said when he was up there. And then it's kind of true. Yeah. Not everybody's going to do a Tom Hanks and win back-to-back years, Mm. you know. If you win, chances are you've already made some films in the last few years that'll be released immediately after your win. Same is true of um, Jamie Foxx. He won for um, Ray. And then they released stealth, like straight afterwards, which like, I academy. got nowhere
0: to go now, I can only go down
1: <laughs> exactly so yeah. You know jamie fox is an example adrian Brody, he's all his films now are straight to dvd
0: but i respect that if he says um he just said uh, if i don't have the inspiration anymore i'll walk away so yeah. if he doesn't feel the passion he's just going to do mechanical performances i have to respect that mm. that's fantastic
1: well mechanical performances speaking of which this film he's a character called driver yeah he has no name he has no backstory he has no family we hear brian cranston say he's been working for um six years in that garage and that he's paying him minimum wage. We know that his, there's thousands of streets in L.A., and he knows them all back to front, so he's driving around, he's doing his own thing. His apartment doesn't give away many clues. This is
0: very much like Walter Hill, or a classic noir noir uh, archetype, where you've got this man with no name. Yeah. I think Sergio Leone used that in the, the Dollars trilogy with Clint Eastwood. Um, but... For some, with uh, the little information you're given, so much Um, your brain is thinking so much with the little give the audience there. um, It's as Hitchcock said: uh, no matter what I can show you, the the audience's imagination is always darker. That's hence why the violence is always off screen. Yeah. Uh, That I want to bring up a point. The only thing I did not like about this film, and I thought it really hurt it, was the violence. I thought it was way over the top. I thought it was just jammed in there to appeal to um uh, to get a more Audience viewing, or to wake up the modern audiences, Uh, it it just like the whole film felt like a Walter Hill film, and Walter Hill like was a violent director back in his back in his day of Driver and um, the the Charles Bronson films. The name escapes me, but it was never this extreme. It was never like a a David Cronenberg or a John Carpenter style uh, violence. This felt like it came from a horror genre rather than, you know, it's crime genre that it's in. When he stabs that guy in the bathroom, I thought that went way overboard. When that guy with the knife starts cutting out the... Brian Cranston's face, Jeez, yeah, yeah, I was was repulsed, you know, and I thought that really hurt the film. Like, a lot of viewers, older viewers that would come and see uh, a well-paced movie yeah. it would be repulsed by that and when he's smashing that guy in the face when he uh, stomps him
1: in the elevator scene uh, that was way over the top especially if he ever wanted to talk to Cary Mulligan again and like, did you feel the CGI creep its way into that uh, yeah. uh, I think they made a dummy or something um, <sighs> oh. or the face so they could smash it and it was just a really quick shot obviously but um, uh,
0: well I found when he was drowning uh, The Name Escapes me. he's been in a lot of Guillermo del Toro films uh, Ron Perlman Ron Perlman um, when he was drowning him and we cut to that long shot of yeah. The yeah, beach, and you know been, that was so much more effective mm. than you know the the violence that was used, the stabbing and the crushing and all that. I, I just th- thought it hurt the film; it, it wasn't necessary.
1: Yeah, I thought just like you see the violence, it's coming at him. So you've got that scene where, as I said, Christina Hendricks is killed, and they basically pop into his room, and he has to throw the mattress down, and he has to fight yeah. his way out. It's kind of been thrust upon him; he's been backed into a corner, and you know you and don't it's know that what you're animalistic
0: of. reaction, yeah. yeah.
1: But then there's that scene where he goes in and there's all the strippers and he grabs that hammer. and Wasn't stuff. that great? It's uh, <laughs> just stepping
0: and back. And all the girls just sit there like, oh, this is normal for us. Yeah. You know, they're not running around going, ah. Oh! <laughs> and,
1: and they hand him a phone or whatever. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, here it is. Yeah, so you know. And they
0: know the number. <laughs> yeah, yep. um, it's interesting. I, he, it's like a Paul Verhoeven. Verhoeven, um, uh, the guy who directed RoboCop and everything like that. He's a European director. He would have, you know, his films RoboCop and Showgirls and stuff like that. He would have these insane violent scenes but it just seems to work because I guess he brings that European flavour I felt um, uh, Refn the director who uh, directed this movie Nicholas Winding Winding Refn Refn, oh jeez I could never remember that I felt um, he was so American in his approach to it very Michael Mannish very Walter Hill and bringing that
1: violence to it was to me too extreme uh, it's funny you should mention that um that particular scene in the elevator mm. where um they stomp the face kind of thing that was um sort of borrowed a little bit from uh there's a foreign film called irreversible with monica i've Bolich. heard of that yes yeah. yeah and there's a scene where somebody gets their face actually smashed in and they did a very similar effect which is a european film yeah, it? Oh, yeah which is a european film so i guess he's kind of borrowed a bit of both he's you know learning both crafts
0: oh, wasn't that extreme <laughs>
1: I was going to say, with, with this character, you've got no idea who it is. And also, Kill Bill, the bride, you know, you, you just don't know who this person is and their backstory right away. Um, I found that his performance, like, he did this, the most minimal things that made you think. Like, when um, he's so still at certain times, and when he's just, it's hypnotic. And he feels like, well, I feel that he's completely disconnected and he just seems like drugged out and numb and like it's weird that it's set in los angeles which yeah. is a city where it's sort of
0: you Alive. know live yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: and um supposedly you know the film industry is so glamorous mm-hmm. and he's this job where he's a stuntman and basically just kind of numb to the whole experience yeah. you know he gets his kicks i guess you could say doing the crimes and stuff afterwards and like um probably feels alive then yeah
0: yeah it's very minimal isn't it it's very much like a Walter Hill film where this guy comes into town I suppose he's already been in LA for a while and you have no idea you know his actions really are what are, are what's telling the story not what he's saying or anything like that and he's it's really a case of show and don't tell isn't it
1: <laughs> yeah well I've got a quote again from Nicholas winding Refn, the director yep. where he talks about um, Ryan Gosling's performance And he says, it's the hardest thing for an actor not to speak, because you take away their main tool. So for an actor, it's very frustrating and very challenging, and very few people can pull it off. But Ryan is one of those few actors that can say a thousand words with just a look, and it's a unique gift. Absolutely.
0: Uh, The two greatest actors, probably of our time, is Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. One is so... Exterior and his performance, like, he likes to explode, where De Niro is really internal, really behind the eyes. Uh, people who have seen
1: Taxi Driver will know exactly what I'm talking about. I actually want to talk to you about this. Okay, man. yeah, sure. Yeah, Taxi Driver. Well, this film's been compared to Taxi Driver. Right, okay. think about it, it's a guy driving around at night. De Niro was young at the time, so it was his sort of breakout role as well, and uh, who takes on the system. He, he goes off and creates his own justice, doesn't he? I mean, he frees... Oh, Jodie Foster, point, yeah. you know, she, from her prostitution. And Taxi
0: Driver is about what is a hero, um, you know, and borderlines of, on insanity. R- really, a hero is a vigilante, almost insane.
1: Do you think um, Gosling is similar to De Niro, you were saying? Oh, I, I wouldn't compare him
0: to De Niro at this point in his career. He really has to mature. But, yeah, definitely there's those elements. It's, it, his performance is really behind his eyes, which is what De Niro is. It's all about that interior performance. Um, and you re- you feel for him just through his movements and again just through his eyes it really tells the story it, it's brilliant yeah it's a really hard thing to pull off but i wouldn't compare him to De Niro at this point in his career he really has to push himself to you know raging bulls extreme and stuff like that this might be his taxi driver He can tick off the list like guess
1: <laughs> <laughs> um i was just gonna say there's this film he's done um it's called blue valentine have you seen that no, one no i haven't seen that one no. um it's like a really moving piece uh where he's married to michelle williams from uh well, many films. Do you know Michelle Williams? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm terrible with Michelle <laughs> Williams was uh, married to Heath Ledger in real life. Oh, okay. And yep. uh, they were both in Brokeback Mountain together. And um, they played a married couple in Brokeback Mountain, as well as uh, she's been in sort of Wendy and Lucy, which is a story, a short film about her. Not a short film, sorry. An independent film about right. her kind of and her dog in this town. Um, Michelle Williams is sort of coming up to play Marlon Monroe next. So she's sort of on the rise as well. Wow. But there's this film, Blue Valentine, and in it, like, Ryan Gosling gives an amazing performance. He's this kind of broken man. And um, I'm very tempted to spoil it here on this podcast, but instead I'll just sort of say that it's something I think uh, people would really enjoy if they're Ryan Gosling fans. And though at times it's quite sad, it also flashbacks to moments that were incredibly happy. And this is huge range given by Gosling. Yeah, you see the variety he's capable of, sure. Yeah, it's, um, it's... quite special i I have to check that out yeah 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 so what uh, i'll ask you what did you think of drive like um you know well uh, other than
0: the violence um i thought it was great i think the director's going to come up from this i think he's going to be given more um uh, more films to direct i love the flavor he brings again uh he reminds me of an early michael Mann, like when michael Mann was making thief and and things like that and it has that... Um, it, it's a huge 80s-type film. It had that, like, Blade Runner-esque... I won't say Blade Runner-esque. I'll say an <laughs> 80s-esque music. Yeah. And I love that. In this world of... In this modern age of very fast films, which is nothing against that, it's great to see a film that paces itself. It did. That pays homage to the old genres um, and the directors like Walter Hill, P.D. 8's a bullet. And again, I guess you can say Michael Mann's sort of like
1: an old, older director now. Did you think that... Um well first of all you didn't see any of the robberies themselves you stay with him in the car and I thought that was a great choice but then I also considered maybe they didn't have the budget for the robberies like Reservoir Dogs you never see the robbery Yeah. Uh, Yeah. well I mean I wondered because it's one thing to stay with the main character and kind of see what he sees and everything and another thing with both those robberies why don't the criminals come out together you know yeah one comes out at a time yeah yeah and obviously it results in the death of Kerry Mulligan's Irene, her husband, mm. uh whose name is Standard, by the way. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Uh kind of cruel parents. <laughs> kind of really setting your child up for some just a yeah. generic failure. But um you know, I just wondered why both criminals didn't come out at the same time. You know, they didn't seem to have each other's back. And there was that element of that second robbery being um staged a little bit. You know, they got the car following them and everything. Yeah. And there was some great action, like yeah. um where he's doing all the stunts driving he kind of reverses his oh car that up. was
0: great yeah, yeah that was like a bullet on steroids you know yeah. where he's going
1: <laughs> and that beautiful slow motion shot where you've got christina Hendricks in the back seat and the cars flipping in the background yeah that yeah. was fantastic was you get the
0: emotion and then the action in the background oh fantastic
1: yeah i thought um they didn't really develop irene very much like the uh, female lead but i sort of think they didn't need to mm she seemed sort of secondary to the whole thing um he was always going to commit these crimes he was always gonna i guess try and do good and and he was trying to help out yeah it comes from such
0: a guy genre doesn't it like Mm. it's drive it's this guy and the girls are only secondary sort of thing yeah yeah that was interesting wasn't it get shot with a shotgun through a window (laughs) geez did
1: you um did you think that basically it's about a man who takes matters into his own hands Yeah, definitely that's I mean, what
0: drives it definitely yeah so i don't mean any pun but no, yeah, no, that's, that's what drives th- the story
1: is that i thought there was very little police presence yeah which was an amazing sort of element. Uh, police don't
0: seem to exist in film noirs it, it's a really like in pulp fiction it's really a world run by um the criminals and their own their own laws their own uh, rules and everything like that and i love that world it's fantastic where they take matters into their own hand gosling never goes to the cops he goes right into the strip club hits that guy in the hammer and tries to control the situation you know yeah. but like all crime i guess it's just impossible you know um people die um and so forth yeah
1: so um like ron perlman obviously most famous he was, famous great. <laughs> he was uh, most famous at the moment for being in sons of anarchy oh right I still haven't seen that show I yeah. only
0: know him from Guillermo del Toro
1: films and uh, Hellboy. Hellboy yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I was going to say that scene where he's basically attacked by this car and the lights come on in the distance and drives at him yes um, and he's got the rubber mask on i thought that was a really interesting element to like incorporate the stuntman frightening isn't it yeah, yeah yeah
0: the two worlds collide yeah
1: yeah did you think the rubber mask looked like anyone in particular or i don't know no did, it i thought generic? it was a cool
0: effect i thought it was like geez he's like a, this monster you know they coming back for vengeance sort of thing yeah, yeah i was
1: wondering why he didn't wear the mask in all those yeah sort of crimes and
0: I, stuff. I, I think it was just a point you know it would be a cool thing if you wear the mask
1: <laughs> what's the point no reason just just wear the mask yeah <laughs> Um, I was gonna say I love how the basically they use this kind of film element. And I was gonna say, have you seen Bandits? Bandits, no. It's this movie with um Bruce Willis, uh Billy Bob Thornton and uh Kate Blanchett. Right. And um in in Bandits basically, if you haven't seen it, I'm gonna spoil it. Um towards well at the beginning it shows they've got um this bank held hostage. And they uh, towards the film uh, towards the end of the film they shoot at each other and um, kill each other kind of thing, and they're both dead and they get put in body bags and taken out into an ambulance and then you find out they unzip the uh, body bags and they were all squibs and stuff. They use this whole sort of stuntman element. Sure. One of them's uh, friends or brother brother-in-law or something is a stuntman, and they use this kind of wonderful element to kind of free them from their life and everybody right. thinks they're dead. Yeah, yeah, which is sort of an amazing twist at the end of a film. Um, I, I really enjoyed that and kind of um it completely engulfed for me like the two worlds he was living in
0: sure yeah yeah and it really breaks that wall oh that's right this could be a movie as well sort of thing yeah Yeah. yeah.
1: it did feel more sort of um like a film when he was doing film-based stuff like wearing the stuntman outfit Mm. and um doing the, the those scenes but obviously just combining them you know really brought it to life and that mask like you say it's scary
0: yeah yeah Yeah. he really becomes the monster at that part coming back for vengeance i don't want to say an angel of vengeance which is typical for noir but this this monster from the darkness you know coming in and crushing him with the car that was great
1: i got a bit sick of like nino is the character ron perlman plays got a bit sick of seeing his pizza place all closed yeah and nobody in it and i was like when do they open these guys yeah. you know <laughs> just having these secret meetings they uh, they kill that guy in there and just
0: well he's actually eating uh, asian food you know he's not actually uh what, what i think his That's partner right, he gets chopsticks yeah he? yeah he doesn't want to eat it's like um it's just a front for the business that goes behind closed doors you know yeah. that we, we don't serve pizza here yeah
1: yeah <laughs> um how did you find uh brian cranston Oh, he was great. Oh,
0: oh, those three, those three actors—Ron Perlman, Arm, um, Cranston, and uh, Brooks—are great icons of the seventies and eighties. And the voices, uh, I love their voice that they bring each of them, and their faces um, tell a whole story, like a whole backstory of crime of the 80s, of of the, this other era. And here's this new kid who's coming, th- this modern age kid who doesn't speak much, who doesn't tell his feelings. You know, I thought they were well cast. Well, yeah. the director knew his genre, and knew what he was doing. That's what I felt. Yeah, no, they yeah. were great you Fantastic.
1: didn't like uh, Brian Cranston's death then?
0: oh no I, the, all the violence uh, I thought it was too much for me um, mm. I'm not it's not like I'm someone who does not like violence in general I love horror movies and stuff like that but in this film where it was all noir to have that element of violence to that extreme just felt like it was from another film it felt like it was horror and, and all of a sudden we t- took, took a left turn into the horror genre mm. and uh, to me I was more repulsed than intrigued than excited and, and stuff like that I, I just thought it just went a bit too over the top
1: um, just before we move on past Brian Cranston, I was going to say, uh, do you know that line from Heat where um, I "Have
0: no attachments"? If you cannot walk out on in thirty seconds flat, if you spot the heat around the corner, yeah, Michael Mann. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know one of your favorite films, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, so basically, I thought immediately of that line. Yeah. When Brian Cranston was kind of hobbling out of there with oh, his uh, Yeah, wasn't that sad? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You knew he wasn't going to make it. He, he went, was a tragedy, wasn't he? Yeah. He went back for sort of so much stuff. He couldn't drop everything and go. Ryan Gosling said to him, you need to leave right now. And he, he was, was like to. a
0: father to him as yep. well. And that scene where he's flashing back, you know, they use a lot of um, flashback sort of things, but it sort of like parallel editing the present and then, you know, flashing back to what he just did. Mm. Um, where he's he's like saying i tried to set this right that's all i did and he goes why do you always mess this up you know and sort of thing and he's grabbing and you see you feel the pain like he realizes that he's screwed up he's probably gonna die i have to get out of here oh what a tragedy
1: yeah it seemed crazy that he had all these sort of uh dreams for riches and he hadn't made much money 30 grand i think he said oh
0: wasn't that sad and all he dreamt about was you know and he wanted to get gossing like his son If I can say that, um, you know, uh, utilize his skills as a driver. He was exploiting him heavily, putting him in danger and so forth, yeah.
1: Yeah, and obviously they both kind of knew about the criminal element because he supplied him with that car towards the beginning of the film. Um, Would have been a completely different story had they sort of done that Samanats racing, (laughs) you know, and um, sort of what's called NASCAR racing, rather, and just kind of, um, you know, he'd started driving legitimately yeah you know backed
0: up by criminal money yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: like it would have been would still been able to be a, a decent film you would have probably got more action scenes yes. out of it you know yeah. more the races he could have failed in one race or one one would race. have became
0: more fast than the furious would not yeah it?
1: <laughs> so i think maybe a bigger budget they might have exploited that element and had them you know more ride on each race and that tension could have been right up in there with every sort of yeah race, race yeah. yeah um i found it really interesting that uh, obviously, as we said, Brian Cranston couldn't drop everything and go. Um, but Ryan Gosling also went back to the garage when he probably didn't need to. Yeah. I was thinking, what is he doing back there? Didn't he know? get the money? Like, exactly. Oh, okay, sure. And then yeah. it was in the boot of a car all along kind yeah, of Yeah,
0: right under their nose, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: but I sort of thought that was a terrible place to put it. <laughs> and I also thought, why hasn't Albert Brooks got some guy watching the garage in case he comes back? because he's looking for him you know yeah
0: there were a few holes there or we'll trash the joint <laughs> yeah
1: exactly um burn it down like um you know there's been a fire and the owner was killed and that's mysterious circumstances you know yeah. cover his tracks a little bit i mean um albert brooks was really good i thought um as this kind of gangster role i did sort of hear the voice of marlon from finding nemo All right, you know, nemo's yeah. dad which i think is now really iconically sort of burned yeah into my psyche you know Um, And I also thought, just to touch back on Nino for a second, Ron Perlman, why didn't he just arrange that trade and get the money back?
0: I think it just bespeaks much of his character. He's just a destructive person. And even he he says that my partner is just, you know, I don't want to use the bad language, but, you know, he, he really explains what kind of character his partner is and His frustration is poured out on that poor guy eating pizza. You know, he's already got his hand all bandaged and everything like that. They get him with the fork. Yeah, they they. get him with the fork, and then oh, geez. Um, Yeah, he's just a destructive kind of guy, and how he goes about his business. He does uh, just out of pride, I guess. He just didn't want to go do it straight. He just wanted to punish and kill all ends. You know, I guess uh, fire your gun and all the problems are solved. Sort of um,
1: attitude. (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's interesting to kind of have this mobster. Um, who still wants to invest in things like this kind of NASCAR and, and everything. Um, I thought, yeah, as I said, it was a really good turn for him. Um, I wanted to talk about the the bit where he sort of has um, the opportunity to kind of get the money out of Ryan Gosling's car at the very end. There's that beautiful parallel editing. And um, Albert Brooks, he's kind of walking behind him, you know. and, and They're uh, at the restaurant. They're at the restaurant and they're kind of exchanging those smiles and stuff. And uh, then he—it's—it's it's his death scene. Obviously, he stabs Ryan Gosling in the sort of abdomen, and then they kind of—the shadows—it shows them kind of fight it out, and Ryan Gosling kind of overpower and kill yeah. Albert Brooks. Now, if I'm Albert Brooks's character at this point, Ron Perlman's been killed. You know what I mean? Um, he's been drowned. They know about this. He's got the phone. He's called him up. They're settling the score. Why wouldn't you kill him with a gun? yeah
0: it seems to be he's he favored the knife like when he puts that back that razor in that little collection it seems like that's his go-to weapon Like yeah. his, his little fingerprint his little style
1: i guess but this guy's caused him so many problems all i could think was you should have just shot him in the back i mean right. he seems yeah. that kind of guy yeah that he should have shot ryan goes if he wanted like i'm not rooting for the bad guys here i'm pleased that it sort of played out the way it did i just looked at it and i went he's this kind of rich gangster right and he's you know investing money and whatever and
0: why take the risk of hand to hand yeah, yeah. Exactly. and he's older and he's younger <laughs> yeah
1: hand to hand exactly and you know he's a stunt man so he can take a hit yeah he can you know seemingly get hurt and be okay and i thought just get a silencer it's over yeah you know like you're in broad daylight if that's what if that's what the concern is just get a silencer you how know did you mean? get this old using these using using <laughs> knives <laughs> how did you survive in
0: this environment and get to this age
1: <laughs> and i mean i've i've fired a gun but at a shooting range right and i just sort of thought surely like gutting someone in the abdomen or whatever is going to be way more messy you well, know especially
0: out in the open yeah. in the car park at daylight <laughs> yeah
1: it just seemed sort of ridiculous I think to me. the
0: film bent its own rules at that point, yeah, yeah, definitely, and just laid out all the practicalities. I mean, threw that out, yeah. I
1: also questioned, I mean, there were obviously some guns involved, but if it was going to blow out their budget more,
0: to have more guns you know, oh, yeah, guns. Yeah.
1: You know and, and I kept thinking about like what is the budget of this film and I had to find out afterwards that it was approximately 10 million did it feel like a low
0: budget movie when you were watching it not really that's yeah, no, like the yeah. success
1: I think that it's been made in sort of an independent scale but everybody because of the cast even it seems really big you know yeah. um, did you think I, I didn't think
0: it was low budget at all I thought it was big you know big budget I think he shot in digital as well I didn't sure. feel digital if it was
1: I know the effects some of the effects were added later yeah, so like okay. the uh, bit where she's shot through the window yeah, I could
0: feel the CGI creeping in there Not, nothing against that but when you see CGI you're like oh that's CGI you know yeah. that sort of thing yeah yeah.
1: well did the um, the film end the way you thought it would
0: I like that ending um, open ended um, I'm a big fan of that I've seen a lot of films that, that do that that don't give a standard Hollywood ending you know the um, sort of like the the cowboy driving off, you know, or riding off into the sunset, sort of thing. Um, I love that.
1: That style is great. Um, I sort of wondered if he was dead for like a half a second. Oh yeah, you yeah. Know, his eyes, obviously, sitting in the car, bleeding to death. He's as still as possible.
0: I actually thought we were going to cut to black at that point. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I um I was thinking he's not dead, based on the fact that he sat so still throughout the entire film. There's so many bits where, like, when he's on the sofa, he's sitting next to the little kid. (laughs) Yeah, good point. And the neighbor or the friend comes in. And And he
0: doesn't even turn his head.
1: (laughs) It's very slight. And she's like, oh, yeah, you know, hey, this is so-and-so. Doesn't introduce him. And that's what I thought at the time. I I was wondering what his name was. And why wouldn't she say, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so. Introduce them both so they can say hi to each other. Just introducing one. You know, also, why didn't he stand up or shake hands or do anything? You know, he's so detached from the reality around him. That I knew when that ending happened that then he was being really still, I thought, he's just kind of meditating, he's contemplating, he's thinking of his next move. And then when he blinks and stuff, I was very sort of satisfied that he was alive. Obviously, I would have preferred he didn't die. (laughs) Um, But there was an ending where he did. And basically, they had that shot of um, when he pulls up to the lights... And the light, kind of the camera pans up, and it shows the light turn green, and the camera drive, uh, the car rather, drives off into the distance, yeah, right before the fade to black, cut to black. They had a version of the film where the light turns green, and it just holds, and he doesn't drive. Sure um and then it just cuts to black so you sort of assume he sort of bled to death in the car while he's waited for the light to change i
0: I like the ending that they used he's driving off and you don't know if he's driving off to his death or to get into another adventure sort of thing and it opens up as you say the sequels the franchise yeah yeah well i
1: don't know that there will be a sequel obviously it's made a ton of money yeah um but i don't know where you would go from here i mean you just have him arrive in another town and do the same thing over Um, yeah Did you like the character? Uh, I like it, yeah.
0: I I love that genre. I love uh, the Walter Hill style approach and seeing this guy with no name get into... Like, his skill as the driver... Um, getting into you know situations because of his skill and seeing him get out and you you find out there's this hidden beast underneath that he unleashes you know oh it's I love it it's fantastic classic classic noir
1: yeah classic noir element obviously with no policeman at all yeah. but I was thinking there's a big body count just happening all over the place and I know the Nino and Albert Brooks's character probably would be able to dispose of bodies but then there was like sort of other ones that they just left around you know Um, the, the husband died, Hendricks died. Did you like the husband? Uh,
0: I thought he was great. Yeah. I've, I've really felt for him when he gets shot because he was a good guy trying to get out of the situation. You know, he was just uh, one of those guys, unfortunately, that got into a bad situation and just kept getting worse for him. And he tries really hard to break out. And when he says, look, um, I, I've got to do this and you know you really feel like once he does it he, he's never going to go back as a criminal he's going to be a loving husband and he really loves his kid
1: he did seem to to love his kid yeah right? and yeah.
0: It, it's such a tragedy when he gets shot and then you know shot to pieces I really thought he was going to make it out of there you know the drive guy driver was Gosling was going to come out and save him and when he gets shot to pieces I'm like wow that is so
1: sad <laughs> yeah and I know you didn't enjoy the violence yeah but- Without that violence, Brian Gosling might not have done the film. Yeah. Because he said um, that he loved the violence. This is a direct oh, quote. Oh, right. Okay. He says, I love the violence. It's fascinating how primal it is. We didn't really concern ourselves with its authenticity. It was more of a symbol of my character's emotional landscape. Yeah. So you can see. As you said, it's
0: that animalistic reaction yeah. to the situation. Yeah. Backed
1: into a corner. Yeah. Yeah, exactly um did you really like have a favorite scene because for me it was the elevator scene opening the opening hands down hands down right (laughs) well the elevator was a great sequence i love that scene um yeah yeah i really liked how sort of detached it was from reality it seemed like completely surreal and just the fact that sort of was this hold on this nice moment between them and and even though at that point her husband has died Mm. and uh he knows he's not going to get another chance you know um with her and everything like that it was sort of Deluxe, bittersweet yes. wasn't it yeah I mean, and that guy like he's a henchman he doesn't really know how to hide a gun at all yeah <laughs> it's like sitting out there like he's just dying to use I it. i thought he was
0: some super assassin sent in because there is that moment where after the phone call he looks over at the assassin uh ron bellman looks over and he gives him the nod you're like oh okay um the dro- oh, gosling's dead you know gosling crushes his face <laughs> yeah jeez unrecognizable
1: wasn't he oh, afterwards yeah um, with that opening scene I kept wondering when, besides the two things I've talked about the helicopter and the fact that he could get a car park when he kept fiddling with the radio and like uh, tuning in and out of the like sports and stuff maybe I he's was got like, a bet no yeah, I was thinking what is he so concerned about like um, he's in this kind of life or death situation and I was so curious really that it maybe it took me out of it a little bit yeah
0: and then he, it was all because he timed it for the game to end I see yeah I see what yeah. you mean yeah
1: Um, I thought there was one little explosion of his kind of acting that was really interesting when, um, he's sitting in the the bar having a drink and this guy comes up to him and goes, Hey, how's it going? You remember me? You know? And he's like, we did that job together. I got another one coming up. And he goes, how about you shut your mouth and, you know, I won't curse because we're a clean podcast, but you know, the,
0: uh, yeah, that was the first instance of how much violence he's capable of. And it was all verbal. Yeah, yeah. You don't see anything. Well, I felt his the the best part of his performance was when he's telling off um, Cranston yeah. about why do you always mess things up, and he's holding his face, going, you know, he's so frustrated, he wants yeah. to kill him. You know, I thought that was really for me. That was his. That was his best part. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I also thought just on that scene where he uh, he's cursing and stuff, just the fact that he said so little made it so powerful. Oh yeah, yeah. You know. Because the less words he said, the more you want he him really to hear. He really meant it. Um, yeah, like, uh, I think girls are really into Ryan Gosling at the moment. They're saying he's so brooding and he's so interesting, you know, because of how little he's saying. You know, I think there's they see the, the, the darkness and the sort of emotion behind his eyes kind of thing, and they want to know more, and, you know, it's an intriguing he's element. Intriguing, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that we could probably close up with a very interesting quote from the director. Okay. Um He... Basically, uh, I heard that they were driving around together, and um, uh, he,
0: the, sorry, the director and Gosling. Yeah, the sure.
1: dir- the director doesn't drive. Right. Interesting. Yeah, neither does the writer, and neither does the guy who wrote the book. And I don't know much about the book. Right. But I mean, I don't know how sort of true to it it is. Yeah. Um, but the the director basically said, uh, well, not said, rather, Ryan Gosling said that the director was in the back seat of his car, and he started crying. Uh, when a pop song came on. It was REO Speedwagon. And it was, um, I don't know which REO Speedwagon song it was, but I imagine it was um, sort of I Can't Fight This Feeling Anymore or one of the major ones, you know, if it's getting radio play and 30 years after it was out. Um, And he was said to say that uh, the director, Nicholas Winding Refn, said to him, I know what this movie is. It's about a guy who drives around listening to pop music because it's the only way he can feel. So what do you think about that?
0: I like that. Um, I can relate to that. I think anyone can. Driving is a personal, powerful experience. Having the music blaring takes you... Your emotions go all over the place. Wow. For him to admit that, that's fantastic. Yeah, I think that was
1: before the film was made. So he sort of used that as the inspiration towards... Making and the movie does take a lot of time out watching him drive and then the music blurring
0: in the background. It yeah. really puts you in that, that driver's seat, so to speak, with him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I completely agree that when you're driving around, it's like a really sort of personal thing, yeah. especially when you're on your own.
0: And it's yeah. powerful as well. You've got that, you know, that vehicle that can go you know it can really hurt someone you know and it takes you it compresses time and space takes you to another location yeah it's a personal powerful experience and you got the ability to have music playing at the same time wow you know driving is one of those unspoken things that we all do every day but it's such a, an amazing thing an amazing feeling and
1: obviously like uh many songs can trigger many memories for yeah. people you know i mean and many emotions Yeah, yeah yeah exactly it takes you back to when you first heard the song you know um, so I thought to myself, how is he not feeling in real life? Like, how is he not capable of feeling? And I was mm-hmm. really... One of the things that I found really interesting, I know you really enjoyed it, um, was why he didn't have a backstory. You know, why we couldn't know more. Why we couldn't have had him call his father or mother or something. Or, you know, some element of what he, where he's been, besides being in this garage for six what, years. What, do you think that's a bad thing not having it? Or? Well, I, I found... It, I was really intrigued, alright? Really curious... But I really... I would have liked more, I sure. think. I feel like um, I really enjoyed his performance. I really enjoyed the character. But I felt like there was this hole where I was just kind of... I wanted to realise why he couldn't feel. Yeah,
0: okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I, wanted, yeah.
1: I wanted more information as to what put him this way. You know, was... Um, did he kill his parents? Did his parents die when he was very young? Mm. Was he adopted? Was, you know, there some kind of accident? Um, did the love of his life die? did he once feel can he not feel now because of something that happened yeah, when yeah very did? interesting yeah you know um i felt like that was really the missing thing and i realized it was a style choice and i realized that's you know a classic element of film noir yeah yeah and stuff but i just uh, that's what you i had wanted this hole yeah, yeah
0: that you wanted satisfied no completely understand even
1: hinted at, that like um the brian cranston scene where he says he's been working here for six years i thought great what else you know and um, yeah and <laughs> and also yeah. if he's been working there for six years how has brian cranston not wanted a cut of his sort of um evil you know crime money if sure. you will uh, i feel like brian cranston would have said you know i want 20 percent of this i'm providing you with the car and stuff you know he's sort of a hungry guy he's charging him all yeah this- it's
0: implied that they do this uh he drives people like for for a long time obviously he's got a big nest egg built up somewhere
1: <laughs> yeah but that's the sad thing i guess about brian cranston is he didn't yeah you know he was still hoping this nascar thing would pick up could only afford like a certain sort of car sure anyway um also i thought i'd share that the director nicholas winding Refn and ryan gosling have signed on to do two more films together excellent so basically they you know have found themselves a compatible sort of working relationship ryan gosling said that he came up and hugged him a lot. Like the director came up and just hugged him. So I mean, they, they were friends. First, wow. You know, yeah, which yeah. Is really this could be
0: the beginning of a great, you know, sort of. Yeah. I can't think of Michael Mann using staple actors in his film,
1: <laughs> but yeah, this. But I mean, you see, like Scorsese used to repeat with De Niro all the time. And now he's using um, Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio. Sure. Yeah, and and so like you find sort of a director who can help you, I guess, and then the sort of working relationship, yeah. and then your go-to person. You know, um there's probably heaps of examples we could try and hash out but <laughs> yeah, um, I'm for some reason getting a blank. <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. They're, I mean, we've got two examples right there, yeah, yeah. but um they're going to do this movie called Only God Forgives, which um I don't know a lot about, but it's in production. And then very interestingly, they're going to remake Logan's Run with um Ryan Gosling in the lead role that was made famous by Michael York. So do you are you familiar with well, Logan's, Logan's
0: Run? No, it sounds familiar.
1: In Logan's Run, I think, um, basically, it's this 1970s film where um, they age to a certain age. It's kind of like the Island, Michael Bay film. Uh, When they reach a certain age, they're killed, and everybody's sort of young and uh, attractive, and there's no old people. Sure. It's kind of a classic.
0: Okay, when was it
1: made? 1970-something.
0: Oh, okay, in the 70s. I I think I have heard of
1: that film. Yeah, They sort of spoofed it in uh, probably... um, uh, what's called Simpsons and and stuff sure. as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. People will be familiar with.
0: I, I think this is the beginning of a great working relationship. Um, probably not to the level of Scorsese and uh, DiCaprio, but uh, Drive showed so much talent of the director, so much talent of the star, and it's really showcasing this style that I love. Um, that's gonna really stand out in this modern day of very fast editing very fast style it's great to see uh and he's relatively young like i think he's early mid 30s the director mm-hmm.
1: um that actually sounds right yeah yeah,
0: yeah. and it, it, it's just great to see uh a young director bringing this older style to this modern day and i think it's they're going to come out with great films i really can't wait just hearing that now yeah i'm excited that's got, got to Brand be on my list yeah. <laughs> yeah nice um Well, I picked the film this week, uh, Drive, so, Dave, it's up to you for next week. Um, What are we going to see?
1: Well, I've decided to settle on Kevin Smith's latest film. It's his tenth film. Yep. And uh, it's called Red State. Oh,
0: I'm looking forward to this one. Red State, I've heard about this, yeah. Yeah, it's a
1: complete sort of uh, detachment from what he's been doing in the past, which... I mean, it's basically like. I've seen donut. a trailer for it. Yeah, it looks so savage, doesn't mm. it? Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of a pretty interesting subject matter with some young up and coming cast members. So we'll check that out. And um, what's it called? John Goodman's in it as well. Sure, yeah. Um, and we'll have a podcast up about that next week. Yep. But um, in the meantime, between those two, we're actually going to put up a podcast about two films that are both due out in July 2012. One is The Amazing Spider Man. And we're going to talk about how it's going head-to-head with The Dark Knight Rises. So Batman versus Spider-Man, basically. Wow, I can't wait.
0: Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, Subscribe to us on iTunes, or you can become a fan on Facebook. If you guys want to review a film, uh, just write it on Facebook, uh, put it on the discussion board, and we'll have a look at it, and we'll discuss it. Sounds great. Okay, guys, all the best.